All right, welcome, welcome. This is uh, Justin, a.k.a. Juddy, here. I'm with my buddy, Jamar, and we're at a bit different today. We're at a restaurant. They, they know we're here, right? They're okay with this? Yeah. Oh, we've yeah. cleared them? Okay. Yeah. So we're at uh, beautiful downtown North Loop. Um, we're at the Free House, which is probably your favorite restaurant, I'd say. Probably, yeah. I'd yeah? say it's, it's my favorite, yeah. We won't piss anybody off by saying that this is your favorite spot? No, no, okay. no. Well, for me, it's, it's my favorite neighborhood spot. How about that? Because okay. I'm only two blocks away. So you come here. So this has been your your breakfast spot, your your lunch spot, your meeting spot, your evening spot. Yep. You host your 40th birthday party here. I did. I did. Yeah. I, I wish did. I would have come to that. Should yeah. I? You even invited me twice. I feel bad now. Um, so Jamar is a, a buddy of mine. We've been uh, friends and business partners since probably 2000, early 2000, I'd say, when I first met you. Well, I got in the business 2002. Okay, so I think so I met be... you almost immediately when I got in the business. Right, so. right, right. Um, and we've been friends ever since. Um, so I'll give you a bit of background on, on Jamar, and I'll kind of describe as well the rest of uh, Jamar um, is currently a broker for Dana Realty at the South Minneapolis branch at 53rd and Lindale. He's been a realtor since, remind me again, since 2002, a broker uh, with Dan Realty since two years ago? Yeah, December 2015 is your two-year anniversary? Yep. Okay. But he's also a board member for The Link, which is a nonprofit uh, organization that uh, helps at-risk youth uh, with homelessness and other issues. Mm-hmm. He's also a board member for the, um, the Minneapolis Area Association of, Association of Realtors, excuse me. And you've done both uh, for a couple of years now, right? Uh, actually, I was just looking at that. Uh, the, the link, it's been, I think, about, dare I say, six years already. Has I'm it, on my, uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm just rolling off the board at uh, the association. So next year, I'll officially be off, but I'll still be on a couple committees there doing some board work that way. Yeah. Have you enjoyed being on both? Yeah. Good yeah. experiences? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a great, busy... Yeah, great for career advancement in a weird way. Um, just to be in a structured meeting situation and kind of learn um, Robert's rules mm-hmm. and how meetings really should be ran. Oh, <laughs> there's rules? Which I didn't know there was rules. Yeah. <laughs> that may be a different podcast. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, 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 it's good to kind of be at the at the big table uh, to, to affect uh, change, not only in the real estate industry, but also, you know, kind of out in the, the North Minneapolis community where the link is based out of. Um, right. Um, it's good to kind of be a part of some of those big decisions that are happening. Yeah, I'd say. You're a busy boy. Um, and uh, let's talk, too, as well, of your background in coaching. You you have a pretty long background in coaching both boys and girls basketball. Mm-hmm. Never coached baseball, though. I know you're an avid baseball fan. You know, I, I haven't coached baseball. I can see that coming in my in my future yeah. at some point uh, because the additions to the, the, the Hardy clan, if you will. Um, but uh, never baseball, just basketball. Yeah. yeah. So I could see you being uh, easily being a youth coach in about four or five years for both, probably probably multiple sports. Um, we, we, he referenced his additions. Um, he's a proud father of, uh, of twin boys um, who are now a year old. We're, we're November, so we're our, our oh, Thanksgiving geez. turkeys okay. last year. Um, <laughs> so twin boys, Jackson's Jackson Hendricks. Jackson um, Hendricks, awesome names. Yep. And uh, hashtag Hardy Boys. Hashtag Hardy Boys. Hashtag Minnesota hashtag. Twins. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> you can do more than one hashtag? Yeah, you can. Can't what? You've got to talk to me about this stuff here. I didn't know this. but um, And then last but not least, um, he is uh, the CEO and founder of a pretty cool um, clothing line. It's, it's called Underground Music and Fashion, which you've had that since I've known you as well. Yeah. Over, yeah. over 15 years? Yeah, so that would have been kind of around the same time I got my real estate license. It's, 
And, you know, 2002, or I would say 2001, was those, those were both interesting years uh, with just making the, the, the shift in career, if you will, from... Yeah. Uh, which is not, not on there, and I'm, I'm not. It's okay that we didn't, don't talk about this. But before I, all that, I was in retail for quite some time. Sure. Uh, so went from retail sales to real estate sales. But um, the clothing line is kind of me keeping on to the retail part of my foundation. Okay. In a weird way, and um, obviously real estate's my career now, so I'm enjoying. So it. tell me, what got you in the real estate back in O2? What was it that, that drew you into that career path? Uh, it was kind of a mishmash of a few different things. Uh, you, you, uh, you referenced me coaching, so um, I graduated from Richfield High School back in 95, not to date myself on the onset, but um, after that I had an opportunity to um, go back to the community that I pretty much grew up in and, and coach uh, youth at the middle school level. Um, I followed a class of kids uh, who were seventh, eighth graders, I coached them, and then when they became ninth graders, I jumped to the high school with them to become their coach. Well, there was a changing of the guard happening where a new uh, coaching staff, head coaching staff, was coming in to, to lead the, the troops, and they decided to hire me on as one of their assistants. Uh, well, one of the gentlemen who was my mentor um, in real estate at the time, uh, uh, Lance Burwald, he introduced me to, to real estate. Um, and just saw this guy coming in to the gym wearing suits all the time and talking on the phone and um, he's pretty fluent in Spanish so I felt like he was always talking Spanish to somebody <laughs> on the phone um, so I just asked him you know what you know what do you do you know and at the time I was in retail um, sales and he just told me about real estate and I saw it as a good um, conduit to, uh, to uh, kind of pursue my passion which was working with kids at the time yep. um, and the youth so uh, as my retail career was kind of growing and I was getting into senior leadership and, and I think I was with Target at the time, um, there just wasn't really an option to, to balance uh, retail sales and coaching high school basketball. Right. You know, most people are teachers when they coach. Right, uh, right, I right. was not, so I was outside the building. But um, I think I was, at the time, maybe even on year six or seven uh, in my, that career, and I was kind of moving up the ladders to a top assistant. And I just was like, well, I got to do something to make money, but yet I love coaching. So it really was, hey, I'll tell you about real estate. You can make your own hours. And that's why I jumped into real estate, really to continue to work with youth. Right, right. And here you are, a long time later, still here. Yep. Did you expect that to be a career path for you? Did you think that was just going to be like a try it out and see how it goes? And um, Well, at the time, I, I joke with people. At the time, if you would have asked me in, my, in the uh, 2002 through 2000 and maybe seven what you did for a living i would i would say i coach high school basketball uh i run a clothing some clothing a clothing line with some buddies of mine and i do real estate part-time i mean it really was kind of in that order my passion really lied more in the coaching and the clothing line at the time so real estate which is kind of balance it out um to me it was okay i know i can make 30 40 grand if i just kind of you know, sell maybe a handful of deals a year, and I kind of was running into deals at that time because, again, my passion was to lie somewhere else. Um, but the market crashed, mm -hmm. and oddly enough, that's when I decided I wanted to be a full-time realtor. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Most people would run away have that during that time, but I think that did make some sink or swim moments for a lot of people uh, in both of industries, both real estate and mortgage. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember uh, at the time, um, uh, ended up being my, uh, the gentleman ended up being my partner um, uh, with my real estate brand, uh, which is the House Brothers. We'll talk yep. about that a little bit. Uh, I remember James Robinson um, and I both 
kind of personally at the same stage. Like he was going through uh, a divorce at the time. Uh, the uh, gal I was dating at the time, we were kind of, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I'll put it out there, you know, I wasn't making a hot lot of money. Coaching definitely wasn't ringing in money. Yeah. Uh, but she was kind of helping me for a couple years and I was living with her and uh, kind of providing a roof over my head while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to be for a living. And uh, we both said, you know, we're real estate apps right now. It's not going to be like this forever because uh, we definitely were there during the good times. Um, and this is just kind of a cycle that happens, which I didn't really, I'd never been through a recession before. Right. Um, so I didn't really know what that meant. But we both were clear that at some point this is going to level out the playing field. It's going to get a lot of agents out. And those who stick with it, the cream will definitely rise to oh, the sure. top. So I kind of hedged my bet on that, you know, and it, it worked for me. So tell me about, you've been downtown here in this area. You've been downtown as a downtown resident for 14 years, but in the North Loop specifically for what, seven, eight years? Yep, so I think, uh, yeah, so whenever the Twin Stadium opened, which I think might be uh, almost eight years ago now, um, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I think 2010 is when this Twin Stadium opened. Yep. Um, I think that's when I officially moved into the North Loop. Uh, and that also kind of predates the, you know, when uh, that little relationship I was telling you about kind of ended too, um, is when, you know, things kind of shifted to me in the market a little bit. There were some opportunities. Um, I had brand search for a little bit, and we'll talk about that, and ended up at Edina. Um, and, you know, with the House Brothers brand that I was working on, we started pumping a lot of money just into investing, investing into our marketing. And um, since I knew the downtown area well, not necessarily this side of town, but since I knew the downtown area well, I started focusing a little bit more on downtown marketing. And, you know, the rule of thumb in real estate, if you want to, you know, farm an area and get opportunities, well, geez, you should figure out, you know, where you hang out at the most and maybe buy something there, right? Live right. there, right? So right. for me, it was like, I want to stay connected to the, the, the central area um, of the Twin Cities um, just because I didn't want to say no to any opportunities. So I like being like in the downtown area because I feel like I'm 20 minutes from everything if I right. need it, you know? Right. But I also like the hustle and bustle of the, the city. So, I mean, and as I walk up this morning, I see thousands of people on the way to work, walk, walking, biking, pulling out of underground garages. So it's a pretty cool, I mean, I've always felt that downtown was very alive. Mm -hmm. To me, like downtowns, downtown and schools both feel very, very alive. I think schools may be a bit more chaotic, especially elementary schools. My wife works in one. But just being downtown compared to the suburbs, suburbs just don't feel the same as far as the hustle and bustle. And something about that energy just makes me, I've always been drawn to it. And so whenever I come down to see you, I'm always loving the fact that we're in the middle of of, I mean, I, I, describe what North Loop is. North Loop is what distinctions do you geographically? Yeah, so I mean, North Loop is what we used to call the warehouse district, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, obviously back in the day, the river was uh, a huge industry driver, meaning a lot of things came in the mighty Mississippi and unloaded here and dispersed through the, through, uh, uh, the rest of the city from here, um, products and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of warehouses over here. Um, and, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, they had to convert some of those buildings, either tear them down or convert them, and I'm glad they kept 
a lot of the original buildings up and yeah. converting them in uh, you know apartments awesome. or office spaces things like that so you know we used to call it the warehouse district i forgot when it got dubbed the north loop and i i do know some people in chicago they're like what we have a north loop in chicago <laughs> and our north loop makes sense our north loop doesn't necessarily make sense it's more just a name right yeah. um but um i do like the feel of the north loop area and i think really where you saw the north loop grow is and i talked about this a little bit earlier when the twin stadium came in you yeah. know when they decided to plop that stadium essentially in a parking lot, right? And they made it kind of a part of, you know, Target Center, which has been redeveloped and redesigned as well. And really, I think, uh, brought some opportunities in the area. And all of a sudden, you started seeing all these condos go up. And, you know, now the apartment boom is still going. So a lot of apartment buildings are going up as well. So uh, just the ability to live and work in the downtown area, but also the transportation you talked about, the biking lanes and the light rail. And I mean, Guys, if I need to get to the airport, I don't need a ride anymore. I'm not going to grab an Uber. I can walk six blocks, hop on the light rail, and take me right to Terminal 1. You yeah. know, if that's, I need to that's downtown out. Livia at its finest right there. And that's where I've always been a bit jealous. I mean, I, I, we live in the suburbs because um, 10 years ago, that's what everyone did. You moved to the suburbs. You had to pick a fence and a dog and uh, a couple kids. And so, um, and that, that makes sense from a school perspective. It makes sense from, you know, a little league perspective. But um, I, whenever I come downtown, I'm always a bit jealous of the of the excitement that I see. Um, and that's something I think you've been kind of a specialist in my mind of, of downtown living and, and especially in North Loop. But um, I might see you in the suburbs someday. If not, you've got a couple of... Uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, we're, not gonna, we're not going to go that far out in the suburbs. <laughs> I mean, we've identified a couple of areas really close to the downtown area that we might oh, think yeah. about living in. So. I love the Golden Valley, St. Louis Park, yep. Northeast yep. Minneapolis. Those are all areas that you can get right back to the action. We can also get to a ball field for school, so. You know, oddly enough, too, when you're talking about just uh, being downtown and knowing the area, um, you know, with my clothing line, I had the opportunity to, uh, uh, like, places like the Fine Line. Um, uh, back in the day, it was called Escape, which is the old Black E, which is uh, now the Timberwolves. I think their training facility is, is, is where the old uh, Black E used to be. Um, I got to know a lot about uh, this area just from the nightlife standpoint of it. Um, and as much as I appreciate the nightlife when I was a little bit younger, really, you know, seeing the hustle and bustle like you talked about during the day and seeing how much actually comes into downtown is pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also love it down here on those weekends when there's nothing going on oh. and you can walk to your local pub and they know your name and you can sit at a bar and you can have a beer and watch a game and it just feels like neighborhood, right? Yeah. I like the neighborhood feel of, of this area as well. It's so funny how you said it because like, I've got a buddy that lives uh, in a in a tower somewhere nearby, and um, he, he was saying to me, he's like, God, the sirens. I'm like, Oh, that must be awesome to hear sirens. He's like, No, no, it's not awesome. It's it's nonstop, and and it, it's all night long. I'm like, Oh, I think that would be cool, but I guess it's not cool. So <laughs> that greener grass isn't always greener to other people. So it's it's. Um, but he, again, he can walk to his favorite bar, which is Brit's Pub. Yep. He can go downstairs, walk out, and be there in three minutes. Yeah. Or I've got to drive to Applebee's. Yeah. yeah. I like Applebee's, I'm not slamming I'll Applebee's. tell you a funny story that when I realized that I was more of a downtown guy, um, um, I was seeing somebody who lived out in the Woodbury area, and um, it'd been a while since I've like been in the suburb life, so we, we you know, went on a date. It might have been like a random Thursday, maybe a Thursday night. Um, we decided to go out to, let's just call it an Applebee's as well, and gosh, you get there at a six, Maybe it was 7.30, 8 o'clock. The whole place was, joint was packed. Yeah. You know, we finally get our table, maybe a 15-minute wait. 
maybe we're done with our meal by 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I just kind of didn't really pay attention to what was going on around us, but I looked up and it's totally empty. Oh. Yeah, and, but that's just kind of the way it goes on the bourbon, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're usually there with your family to eat and by 10 o'clock, everybody's in bed, you know? <laughs> well, by 10 o'clock down here, things are just starting to jump, you know? Yeah, yeah people <laughs> so, are just leaving to go out. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, this is really different, yeah. You're like, is it midnight? Oh, what's going on here? Everyone's gone. Did we close? <laughs> Um, well, I want to make sure I don't forget to plug my, my website, which is mnlowdownpayment.com. That's uh, the sponsor of the podcast today and every day. Um, so check out that website for all your home buyer needs. Um, and I'll plug, of course, the free house again uh, as we get uh, later on. But um, so tell me a bit about um, how real estate's changed, in your opinion, in the last 10 years or last 15 years. It's obviously done a lot of different moves. Yeah, you know, I like to tell people the story about when I got into real estate, you know, it, you know, from a part-time standpoint, not being fully engaged, not doing any marketing besides handing out my business card to people I know. I mean, you truly could make 30, 40 grand on a part-time lever, and that's not even really knowing what you're doing in the business. I would be honest, maybe, I, maybe some of the worst deals I've ever been a part of was when I was new and I didn't really know what I was doing, you know. I mean, granted, I had good mentors around me to kind of kind of help me through it, but, you know, you could make 30 or 40 grand real easy, you know, and that's on maybe even the worst commissions plan that, that's out there that, you know, commissions plan different places, but, yeah. um, you know, now, you know, it's more of a struggle, like, you really, truly have to be a little more tapped into, um, you know, who you know, you know, and back then, you know, <laughs> I don't think that many people back when I got in knew a realtor. Uh, where now it feels like everybody knows the realtor. Right. There's a lot more part-time realtors uh, now. When back then, I think um, economic system was thriving back then, right? You talk about the mid-90s, we're kind of coming off that. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a job. We weren't in the recession, right? right? So people weren't necessarily career jumping as much. Everybody was making pretty good money. Uh, I think when the recession hit, you saw some people have to look at other options. And then we started seeing this influx of maybe part-time people kind of get to real estate just to have an option to make some money. Right. Um, and it was really a secret swim back then because, as you know, the REO world really kind of came through back in the mid, you know, I don't know, I would say between 2006 to probably in the last couple of years it finally really phased out. Sure. You know, it was like the REO world. So my career even kind of maturated that way as well, where I worked for a pretty large REO team um, and learning some of those difficult and tough transactions. I think it, that really gave me my foundation to what is the new norm in real estate. And that's, you know, being well-versed in all sorts of transactions, mm -hmm. but also getting back to managing uh, your data and managing, you know, who you know and cultivating those opportunities, right? So I feel like now to be successful in real estate, you know, you have to have some type of CRM or some type of something that's really managing the relationships that you have right around you to be successful. If you're not plugged into that, you're not going to make any money because there's so many distractions out there for consumers nowadays to pick somebody that um, tends to have like a digital platform, right? Uh, perception is everything in this business now when back then it, you really were a trusted advisor. Now it's like you can pretend like you're a trusted advisor. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think I definitely, I think social media has changed that because if you look back to, you know, 15 years ago, 12 years or 10 years ago, there was no, you didn't know much about somebody except for what you would learn at a Christmas party yep. or what someone told you about someone's brother that does real estate. You would learn bits and pieces, but you wouldn't know that Bob was a part-time realtor because he didn't have it on his car right. or a park bench. Yep. Um, where now it's easy to put out there 
there, this is what I do. And, and you can put on the perception of, and I do it well, mm -hmm. and we would never know the difference right. because you're not going to share with us your your failures, you know, right. your successes. So right. um, that, I think that's just the the, the way that uh, social media is, has changed a lot of things. It's mm -hmm. changed real estate. Um, so if you, if you look at like a, a young person that's coming out of college or going to go to college and considering real estate, like what's your advice to them about, if they think to themselves, I could do that, I could do that job, it can't be that hard. What's your advice to them on, on when to figure out if that's for them or not? Well, a big part of my job is recruiting, right? So I kind of meet all types of people, right. uh, all different walks of life who are looking at real estate as an option. You know, uh, I disqualify people immediately when I ask them why real estate, and they say to me, because they like looking at houses. Oh, you know, really? Yeah, it's, it's so much more than that. To me, that is a part of it, but anybody can look at houses, and the way that you know, consumers are able to get information at their fingertips. We all know the trick with the cameras now, right? Yeah. Like, you can make anything look really great. You're not selling, you know, uh, a house. You're selling maybe a lifestyle nowadays. So I, do, I truly believe having some type of sales experience. I, I met with a young gentleman who just kind of walked into our shop yesterday because we keep a sandwich board out talking about the different services we offer. And career is one of the things on the sandwich board. A young gentleman came in and he sells Kirby vacuum cleaners. And he's very successful at it. And he said, I just need something different. I'm looking for something a little bit higher level. That got me excited. Like, here's somebody who's door knocking out there who gets it, right? Oh, yeah. uh, who understands that. Now it's just saying, let's take those skills and apply them to this particular product, which is selling homes. You know, I, and this is me on my soapbox a little bit, I, I want to be a champion for our industry to be more um, professional than it is to really get away from that used car salesman and I think we get that bad rap because and I was a product of it when I first got in it so many people jump into it and don't make the dedication to have it as a career it's just kind of a little side hustle or side job for them yeah. you know we really want to see people with some type of sales experience so even if it's bartending then doing customer service behind a bar or serving uh, those those people become really good realtors uh, my top agent used to be a nail tech for a living and she got in because one of her clients uh, would come in and was always thumbing through papers back in the day and uh, she just asked her what do you what do you do for a living and she's like this is what I do you should talk to my manager you'd be great at it and, you know she's really good at it she's my top agent in my shop right now so we're look you know when you look for people that are successful you got to have some type of sales foundation you got to have some type of client relation foundation for this to really be, uh, to me, uh, a smooth transition for you. Right. Yeah. So is that so? The qualities you're looking for would be, uh, I guess, kind of fearlessness or, or extroverted would yep. be because all those you described, you know, a bartender that's someone that's extroverted and, and can make conversation, can build rapport, and can, you know, um, can be uh, easy to talk to. Yep. So someone that's ambitious, obviously, because you're you're your own boss. So that's that's can be sometimes a double-edged sword for people where. There's no one every morning kicking you out of bed, right. making you do things. So self-starters. Yep. Um, so if you, so, what other qualities would you look for? Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you come from a commission-based background, I, I think you understand that you know you 
you know, you make, I mean, you, you pretty much eat what you kill, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, you make, your potential earnings has more to do about your ability to go out there and drum up business than somebody giving you something. Right. I mean, that's the one thing about this business. Nobody gives you anything. Right. You kind of have to figure it out on yourself. I mean, you can find good mentors or partners or, or leaders that you can attach yourself to to learn the business, but you still have to be the self-driver or starter, right? So finding people that, that kind of have that. But I, I always start with what's your story and who you know, right? Because that tells me a lot about if somebody's going to be successful in the business. There's a lot of metrics that you can apply to the successful agents throwing out the extremes, the non-successful agents throwing out the extremes there. But at the end of the day, it comes back to just kind of your numbers and about who you know and how many people could you really talk to on a basis or how many people could you potentially pick up the phone and call and they'll actually answer or text and they'll actually text you back, you know, because those are your potentials. Are you finding these days that your prospects, and again, you probably spend, I'm guessing, half of your day, if not more, thinking about recruiting and retention, obviously. Um, so when you look at, at the recruiting aspect, you're trying to get in front of, obviously, existing realtors that are experienced, that are doing well, looking for change people that have not even considered real estate but would do well, like this, this gentleman walking yep. past. Yep. So do you just meet with anybody initially just to get a feel for them and take it from there or not take it from there? Well, we talked about this a little bit, just as my recruiting style has kind of morphed and changed uh, year over. You know, I've only really been in uh, my leadership position for a couple of years now, but um, I don't like to call it uh, recruiting or retention. This is something I learned at a leadership retreat recently. Um, it's it's more about developing and, and attracting, right? Those are the two words I would use for my recruiting style, right? Um, I think anybody that comes in one, to my shop, which by the way, I have 44 agents now okay. in my shop, um, and we're I'm kind of a medium-sized shop for Dada Realty. There's bigger shops, but there's smaller ones too. Um, anybody that comes into my shop has to fit into my culture, right? Um, I think just plopping just anybody into a culture that we have at 53rd Lindo office, it's those are the ones that you're fighting hard to uh, retain if they're not the right fit, right? Because they're going to get distracted very easily because they feel like they don't have the supportive environment behind them, right, to grow their career. And I like to talk on those terms of career, not a job, right? Um, uh, but also the development piece, right? I think we all can learn something in the business. It's not, you know, everything and that's it. The industry is forever evolving and changing. And you have to kind of be ahead of the curve there, right? So, you know, finding an agent that's going to do the bare minimum, like, you know, I'm going to do my 15 hours a year, you know, for my CE, and I'm going to take all the free stuff I can get and not really be thoughtful of the classes that they're taking mm -hmm. to kind of build their career. Um, or they're not putting the time in. And what I mean by the time in is to, like, for us, we have sales meetings every Tuesday. Uh, we do a new age of developments, you know, weekly for our new agent uh, population. We do workshop Wednesdays for the total population. I mean, these are all things we're doing at the office level, not to include what the company's offering. And then, you know, me being at the association level, seeing some of the education and development that they even offer their members as well. If you're not in tuned into really building your career and becoming a better steward uh, of the realtor R, I think you're going to have a short life in here because people do really care about your passion and who you are. That's why people are attracted to you, right? Pretty so you have to really lead with that passion, I think, to be successful in this business. So pretend that I'm a realtor that's considering joining me, Dino Realty, and joining you. Tell me why I should be with you. And like, what's, what's the draw? What's different about you than somebody else? 
Um, I think what's different about me is that um, I am a hands-on leader. I'm not a uh, you know, staring at my computer and looking at numbers and just not really getting in tune with uh, what type of uh, agent you will be, you know, uh, but also I feel like, and we talk about this all the time, and I, I kind of hate when people say, oh, I'm not your boss, I'm, I'm you know, you're not, you're not my employee, which is true, right? You're, you're, we're managing, you know, uh, 1099 independent contractors, right? But really it's that partnership opportunity to really grow uh, the career alongside of my, I love partnering with my agents. I love problem solving with them. So it's important for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to come and park my license or hang my license with Diner Realty in Jamar Hardy's 53rd Lindell shop because I feel like I have a partner in Jamar, right? right? right. Um, somebody that's not going to therapy you on the couch and say, well, why don't you think you're successful? Who's going to be able to come back to you and be like, well, here's are the things I'm seeing that you can improve on, right. you know, and really be able to say these are a couple of resources that you can use, you know, to, to, to maybe take that next step or here's what we can do together to get that next opportunity, right? Because I know from just in my career, I wish I would have sometimes along the way had leaders that would just tell me straight, like shoot to me straight on Jamar, here's the deal. You know, your butt's not in the office enough. Yeah. You know, I'm not seeing you enough, so that tells me that maybe there's something going on in your personal life that's becoming a distraction right now. You don't have to share that with me, but what can we do to make you hit your goals or even challenge you on your goals a little bit? You know, I find myself wanting to business plan more with my agents every year than I've ever had a leader want to do with me. You oh, know, okay. and that's, again, that's just my style, yeah. right? And I know how you got that style. It's from coaching. Yeah. As yeah. I hear you talk about that, I'm just thinking about coaching because nothing is different from that than going back to a JD high school team and saying, and, and knowing how to talk to people differently and how to get them motivated to be better and how to get them to buy into what you're trying to do. And it's everyone's a winner if we can do this together. And so that's, that's I think, coaching for me has been um, definitely a blessing to have been involved with youth sports and have learned how to talk to people, how to motivate people, how not to motivate people. And I'm sure that's been probably a big part of your, your philosophy has come from your coaching background. I will say one of the, it's funny because um, uh, I was always successful. I can say in coaching, uh, both at Richfield, I coached uh, girls at YZ, I was at St. Bernard coaching girls, I did a half a season at North coaching girls basketball. Um, I think total nine years at Richfield coaching boys and girls basketball. As an assistant, because I've never been a header of a program before, but as an assistant, I've always had the ability to train up and develop my, you know, young athletes to be ready for the big stage, which was varsity basketball. Um, all three programs, Wyzetta, Richfield Boys and Girls, um, the youth that I had an opportunity to train, always, I think all three programs the youth that I trained that came through to be part of the varsity team all went to state. And I'm not saying it's it's a talent, right? I just was happened to be, timing had a lot to do with it, then they had a lot of talent, but to be able to understand that, if this is where you want to go, this is the work you have to put in, right? I think I'm really good at kind of that, keeping people focused on that, but also communicating in a way where we're equals here. Yeah. yeah, I'm the coach because I chose to be the coach here. But at the end of the day, I've been where you're at. Yeah. And I think that's important with my message, even in real estate, is my street cred, right? Uh, 15 years as, as an agent before I became a broker, I think says a lot about withstanding, you know, the ups and downs in this business and be able to say, hey, listen, 
tried and true, this don't work. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. But yeah. I know this does. Yeah. You know. And you've called me from your office. I can think of no less than ten times, and they've said to me, "I've got a, a realtor in my office. We got a problem. We want to get you the phone, get your thoughts on it." And so that's clearly taking time out of your day to get involved in their world for a moment to get in their trenches a little bit and fight. But um, in the end, I think they appreciate that because that deal means a lot to them. I mean, to you, it's just one of 45 deals that are ongoing, but to them, that's one of maybe three to five that really matter that they're just at a point where they're just like, I don't know what else to do. Maybe Jamar might have an answer. Well, shout out to you real quick, if I can plug you back too, because I, so I have this, I have this, this, this is how I pick who is a part of my team. This is when I was, was, was focusing on selling. This is what really mattered to me the most. Being able to pick up the phone and calling a, a partner, so in this sense, you, you know, being a, a mortgage guy, being able to call and knowing that you're going to, when you see my name, that you're going to actually answer the phone and say, hey, Jamar, what's going on? What can I do for you? Or send me a text saying, hey, I'm in a meeting right now. Can I call you back? Like, a shout out to you, man, because being able to plop an agent in front of me and get an answer within... God, no, no short of usually five minutes with Justin, uh, and then say, okay, let's talk to a mortgage professional because I'm not, and this is a mortgage question. Uh, not to knock my full service brand of Edina Realty, but you know, you have been a partner since day one, so it's good to come to you and be able to even expose my my agents to the way a lender and agent partnership should really work, right? You should be able to call them and they answer the phone or else they get back to you in a short amount of time with your answer because sometimes that could make the difference of my client wanting to jump off the bridge <laughs> <laughs> or me being able to say, wait, 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 wait. Before you jump. Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> might be something second. else. I have a funny story. Well, thank you for that plug and I have a kind of funny story about that. So you called me this summer uh, and I was down in Dallas after my daughter's dance competition and I was actually inside of the... Um, the, uh, the JFK experience, which is where allegedly he was shot, and it's a, it's a self-guided tour. It's very serious, very solemn, very quiet, and my phone rings, and it's Jamar. And we're all wearing headphones, so I'm thinking, I could sneak off in the corner and take this call, and no one's going to notice. Uh, I, I, I call you right back, because I missed your call. Within a 30 seconds, I had a security guard on me uh, saying, get off your phone. And I'm not used to being told to get off my phone. It's my, it's my phone. But she was um, Dallas tough, and she was not taking no for an answer. And so I pretended to get off my phone and went away and talked to you some more. Then my wife found me, and she's like, get off your phone. We're in the JFK experience. I'm like, this is really important. Jamar's got a question that's pretty darn important. And it might, there might be a potential for me to get involved in the deal. So um, luckily, we were at the end of the tour, so I kind of got through that. Um, I missed a few of the last slides, but uh, called from outside um, in the Dallas heat. And, uh, and I know that that's important to you guys, and that's why I don't ever put out there that I'm on vacation. I go on vacations, but I don't not answer my phone because that's just the business that we're in. I mean, if I had said to you, if I had just turned my phone off and said I'm not taking Jamar's call um, and got back to you four hours later, I don't know if we would have done that deal together because we would have tried to find an answer from someone else. So I, I get that this business, that's how this business works. My family gets it. They get annoyed, but that's, real estate's not nine to five. No, it's not. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier as far as just the relationship management piece, you know. 
uh, you're at the top of my list because uh, I know that honestly, first of all, you're let's not even talk about your impeccable service, but just I just know that when I when I call you, you're gonna answer the phone, and that's you know to anybody listening out there right now that's a real estate agent that's trying to figure out how can I you know really get my team in place, and we talk about our supportive services, mortgage, title, uh, insurance, uh, warranty, you know, even your uh, handyman down to your inspector, like whoever your team and your resources is that you're promoting to your your clients, you got to know that 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 you're on the top of their list. And if you're not, find somebody that's going to put you on the top of that list. Because I'll tell you what, it's made a huge difference with my agents to be able to say, you know what, yeah, I know our LO is not in the building right now, but I got a guy that I know every time I call, he's going to pick up the phone. And just, I mean, you're creating raving fans. Now, for my bottom line, it might not make sense, you know, <laughs> but I get, I get, I get judged on how many deals come through my shop, right? Yeah. So it's very important for my agents to be able to continue to convert those deals. Yeah. You know, thank I need help you. with that. So. Well, thank you for the plug. And I, I do think that you do a fantastic job of being a bit more hands-on than most brokers I've, I've met, to be honest, because I think you, A, you've been in the trenches, and B, you, you, you really do care about the retention of your... So tell me about, like, when you're recruiting, is there someone that you've been chasing after that you're like, I know they'd be a good fit, I know I want to work with them, but they just won't make the jump over here? Is there anybody that's, that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, not to put it out there, especially depending you can on not when, use names, yeah, by the when way. it comes out. But no, there's a buddy of mine who uh, I've known since elementary school. Um, and actually, when he started his career, he came into the shop I was working in. Right, Actually, the shop that I'm managing right now, when I was an agent there, he came in as an agent. He was switching careers, so he went from uh, being a franchise owner of a small, actually not even small, it's a large but it was a local branch of a carpet cleaning business, mm -hmm. and then went and had his own carpet cleaning business, um, but not to plug any carpet cleaners out there, and then decided that he was gonna make a career jump into real estate, so he sat down with me, I remember we were at Champs in, in, uh, in Richfield, um, and I told him about the business, he said, Jam, that's what my friend's called Jam goes, Jam, he goes, I'm, I'm all in, I wanna come in, and parked his license where I was at, Never came into the office. Never was never was really uh, engaged at that time because he was transitioning. Yeah. Um, when I got into leadership, he was one of the first people I called to say, "Hey, listen, you know, um, this is what I'm doing now." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever, Jam. Great for you. I love seeing you. Love seeing you on Fox Nine News. Like, you know, it's cool watching your career jump. You know, I, I hope to be like you someday." Well. You know, the funny thing is, I, I, I've never run a business the way he runs a, uh, his real estate business, and he's a solo agent with his wife kind of helping out as well, but um, I've been really trying to partner with him for the last couple of years in a very honest way, and I think we're close, hopefully, to, to getting him to come over, but he doesn't like move, and he's, he's worked in a, you know, he started with us. You know, went to a different brand, went to another brand. Now we're asking him to kind of come back and make the complete circle. I think he'd be the perfect partner in my shop. I know uh, numbers-wise, he runs a sustainable business. Um, but I also see him as a future leader that would work really good in the brand that we're in. So maybe potentially being, you know, one of our future sales managers down the line for our company. So, you know, I'm constantly keeping my eye on him, but I'm more of a, I'm not a pressure salesman, never have been, yeah. so I'm more of a, 
you know, just thinking about, yeah, let's have lunch. You know, he finally came in the shop to look at our remodel because we're coming off a remodel. Uh, but he just hates moving, and I get it. So it has to feel right for him to do it. But all intents and purposes, I think we both agree that us partnering together would be beneficial to both of us, you know? But um, the distractions out there, there's distractions out there to even where he's at right now to where he feels like, you know, it's going to take a little bit for me to feel comfortable to quantify this move. And timing's everything for high performers, you know, so maybe the end of the year, beginning of, of, of next year is going to make sense for him to make the move. But man, it's, it's, it's been one of those, like if I can get him to come over, I think he'd be such a great partner. Um, I think he'll do so, do so great in our environment. Yeah. And he's like-minded, right? So I feel like his temperament and tonality and everything like that will be a great infusion of our environment to get a high performer like that to come work out of our 53rd Lindell shop. So he's going to hear this potentially. He's going to know that you're talking about him. I didn't not, say his name, though. We're, we're going <laughs> to call him Tony. Okay, Tony. Unless that's his name. Okay. Oh, I have a couple friends named Tony. Okay. Yeah, Tony, yeah. Tony. <laughs> Tony, yeah. This is Tony. You know who you are. <laughs> Make this happen. November, Jamar would be your best your best coach ever. Um, let's just let's just let's just call him right now. Yeah. Let's not call Tony. I'm not, not call Tony. Tony right now. We can call a different Tony. Yeah. Not, not him. But I think I think you you know in your heart that that's that's going to be a good move for him. And I like the fact that you're not high pressuring him. He's a friend of yours, obviously. Right. But I think sometimes change is difficult, and I think that's something that uh, when people do jump around too much, they can kind of lose lose focus of what they're supposed to be doing. And that that can be I mean change can be good, but can also be a setback. So, you know, yeah, so to that point, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on crafting what I would consider my story. We had this leadership retreat, uh, the Dining Realty, you know, every year sends uh, their, their, their management team out to a leadership retreat. It's a 24-hour retreat. This year we were uh, up, uh, well, we usually do it at Rutgers, but uh, we did Matins this year. Um, they brought in a, a gentleman by the name of, I think it's, Staver is his last name, Mike Staver, who did a very intense, maybe two-day training for us, but it was all around kind of branding yourself with your story and what your story is. And there was some high-level stuff that we did to really kind of drill down why we are in here and be better at telling our story and who we are, value proposition. And it's kind of to my point of even where I'm thinking about going with my recruiting is, you know, it's very important to know what makes people tick, what, what gets people up every morning, right? Um, I don't think you ever want to just focus so much just on numbers and even the conversation I'm having with Tony, you call him Tony, um, it's not about the money. You know, it's about the opportunity for him and I to, to be in the same workspace, partner together on some stuff and try some different things out where he's not getting that support right now and he knows he's going to get it with me. So even if he takes a reduction in income, which you always do when you move, mm -hmm. you hit about 20 to 30% hit when you make that move. I don't know if it's the same in your industry or not, but um, you know, it's 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 not about that. It's more about kind of defining, you know, uh, his legacy uh, in his in his career and and then really writing his story, right? So um, that's kind of what I'm focused on with with my agents, and I didn't really I never put it out that way, but I really care about why you do what you do and how can I help you craft that story and make sure that you know you're sphere of influence, your friends and family are not only a part of that story, but are out there champions of you and your story as well. Right. Yeah. I think a big part of that is, is getting active on social media. 
um, and sharing that story with, with all your friends and family and nieces and nephews and people that, that are in your world but maybe don't know which, what your story is. They right. just know of you. And so, and part of your story, i got to go back to Fox 9 News, part of your story has been, um, I'm going to call you a celebrity. I'm going to go there and say you're a celebrity, but I, I saw you on the TV a little bit. Oh, so oh. tell me about your experience on Fox 9 News. Just a little bit. Uh, so, you know, kind of going back to uh, uh, the recession and when it hit and when we decided to make it a full-time journey, right, a venture in real estate, uh, a big part of... Um, the opportunities that we had coming to us was, believe it or not, there was a lot of public access television that was kind of, mm -hmm. people were doing little community shows and stuff, and uh, so my partner James and I decided to, to uh, start our team called the House Brothers, and we went with the Obama tagline at the time, yes we can. Um, part of it was we were two uh, African American realtors that had seen the good, the bad, living through the ugly at the time, um, and we wanted to kind of set ourselves apart from the other noise and distraction that was going on during the recession. And by uh, partnering up, and we're not related, even though he's one of my best friends and mentors, I consider him not only a brother, but even a father figure to me. Um, but uh, part of our story was how can, as two African-American men, how can we you know, kind of be the cream that's rising to the top that I alluded to. And it was really just getting to a brand that was a little more honest, that really kind of said, hey, if you're not comfortable with our value proposition, our story, then you don't have to work with us, right? So through that, we attracted some attention of a couple local producers to get on a couple uh, public access television shows. And from there, we caught the eye of a producer at Fox, and they brought us in to do a segment about short sales. Um, when it was kind of hot and new in the market. And that was a uh, plug recorded session that we did at one of our properties. And oddly enough, they kept calling us. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, probably the coolest story. So, you know, James and I probably, I would say, maybe about a half a dozen times were on Fox together. Uh, but there was one particular time where I had to coach basketball. I wasn't going to be able to make it for the plug because they, they don't give you any time right. when they want you. They're like, we need something now. We have a story. Can you make it over to the studio quick? So let's pause. So how's that work? So you get a call at like 2 o'clock saying be here at 3.30? Exactly. Oh, and at this particular time, it might have been, let's say, noon because I remember I was being at my place down here. We were going to head out to lunch, and they called. They said, to your point, we're going to put you on the, I think it might have been the 5 o'clock, so we need you here by, I don't know, 3.30, 4 o'clock, right? I'm like, and it was a live plug. I'm like, well, you know what, James? I can't go. I got to be the gym. So you're on your own. And James is fine doing it. But then I realized that, oh, no, I don't have to be at the gym until later. I'll still go. But, James, you can have the, you can do it, right? So we left downtown during rush hour, and we went opposite directions. It's kind of a cool story. I don't know how. I think I weaved somehow through... Habe 100, up 62. I think the Fox 9 uh, station is out in uh, Eden Prairie. Yeah. I feel like he did the 35W to 494. Mm -hmm. We left at the same time. I beat him by like 20 or 30 minutes. So when he got there, he was supposed to go on, but they were like, well, you know, James isn't here. Do you mind just going on, Jamar? I'm like, well, I'll let him go if he's here. But if not, I will jump on. So he got there just in time. I'm like, listen, dude, you can go on, and I'll you know, just sit here and watch in the green room. He goes, no, why don't you go? He goes, I'm frazzled yeah. for being in traffic. Well, I went and did a, a live plug, and then it just kind of morphed into them continuing to call me to come on. Right. 
So I did that for probably about, I would say, two and a half years of their quarterly uh, news updates for Fox 9 News, um, which is really cool. It really um, changed my career in a, in a very honest way to where I felt like before I had the opportunity to be on television and be dubbed the expert even by Fox 9 News, I wasn't necessarily being treated by that within my sphere. Um, so when I got on and I was getting these regular appearances, believe it or not, through social media, being able to kind of pump that I was on the news or take a, you know, people were taking screenshots or seeing me on the news and putting it on Facebook and tagging Guilty. me. Guilty. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited. I know this guy. Yeah. But through that, it really, I think, gave me uh, an advantage in the market in a weird way. And a lot of my friends who weren't using me before, all, they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to use me. Family members, too, who weren't using me before, wanted to be a part of it and wanted to use me. And I just was able to take that and really plug it. And I think the big deal was being accredited, right? So when you get a news station that puts you on and they say you're the expert, right? And then they pump your name. Like that free marketing that you're getting, you know, through the masses really kind of helped me get over that hump with my career. That's, that's definitely the perception. It's so hard to control perception because I don't think you were the same person, the same skilled realtor before and after that experience, just more people had the perception that, that you had now been deemed the expert, which you probably were before anyway, but that's, that's, and that's so hard to control because it's really, it's very fortunate that you had that opportunity, but you also made the best of it because clearly you didn't go on TV and just stand there staring blankly at the camera for a one-off one experience. You made it a re reoccurring role, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, where you did a great job. And, um, I don't blame James for that. I, I wouldn't want to jump onto a camera set after coming off of 40 minutes of frantic traffic, driving, getting somewhere. That's I wouldn't have done well either. So, yeah. um, but so that's something that I think. So getting back to, I had a question to ask you about you know, team versus individual. I've seen a lot of realtors forming teams, joining teams. I've seen some just stay on their own. What's the advantage, disadvantage out there that you see in being on a team or being an individual? Well, I want to start with by saying that, you know, my, my tagline now is I'm still Jamar Hardy. I'm still a, a realtor, but I'm a broker. I'm a managing broker of the Dyna Realty Shop. Sure. But the House Brothers tag name is is, is uh, apostrophe S now because James didn't get out of the business. I retained the name. Uh, so it's the House Brothers team now. And my team is of 44 agents that I have in my shop, sure. right? Okay. Um, and I'm the leader of that team. Um, I think it's all about how you look at the, the, the definition of team, but kind of back to your question, you know, um, a lot of people are attracted to the business before the, for the opportunity of being on the team and receiving leads. But understand that at the end of the day, you're still independent and you can generate your own opportunities. So I think the difference that we're seeing in the market right now with, you know, maybe newer buyer's agents, as we call it, running towards teams versus actually taking the risk of, uh, of being out on their own as an individual and maybe managing their own is that security of knowing that they're going to get maybe some buyer leads force fed to them uh, from a team lead, right? Um, and that's an advantage, to, you know, if you feel like you can't go up, roll up your sleeves, figure out your marketing and figure out how to run your, your business. And maybe for most agents, it makes sense. And the first, uh, I would say six months to, you know, well, I would say six months to 18 months, it might make sense to, to kind of figure out the team concept. I know for myself. Uh, so I started at Cobalt Banker in 02 and then I rotated to Keller Williams to follow the team model. And I worked for a big REL team uh, at the time. Um, I didn't like the team concept on that certain brand. It didn't really work for me. 
but I also like understanding that team can be two people, right? So the partnership that I formed with James and I uh, was really truly our team. Now, did we have buyer's agents? Sure, that was me. I was specializing in buyers. Did we have a listing agent? Uh, that was James. He was really good at listing. That was the extent of our team. When James rolled out of the business for a little bit, uh, I replaced him with uh, a partner. Her name is Shabnam. You know, even though it was the House Brothers, right? She was still a part of it, um, and it was just a team of two. You know, and that really worked for us. We split things. Um, we 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 uh, both marketed together, and we could split the marketing costs as well together. So we shared in some of those responsibilities versus saying, "Hey, team lead." I'm waiting for you to give me an opportunity, which I've been a part of before, and not valuing the journey and the experience of building your own. And I think the thing about real estate that's so awesome is that you do get the opportunity to be whatever type of agent you want to be, build your own business at your own pace. Um, if, you, if you want to take the part-time approach, you can. If you want to take the full-time approach, you can too and build your career. But then there is something in the middle where I think some people like to go towards the team concept and say there's a little security here knowing that this person is ultimately responsible or the responsible is responsible for my happiness in this business right like the success of the team is how successful i'm going to be in the business and i think there's there's people that are good team members and there's people that aren't such good team members so I don't know if that makes sense. But that makes a lot of sense yeah. because I think it does give you the flexibility where if you want to go even go try a team and see if it's for you, it might be for you, it might not be. And there's nothing that keeps you from going back on your own or going full forward with that team saying, this was the best decision ever. Right. I like the fact that I have leads now that funnel through. I like the fact that there's um, a CRM that I can just plug into and, and I like the fact that they have a, an office administrator that helps with the paperwork. And so I think that's there's a place for everyone and not everybody belongs on a team and some people should be on a team and don't know it yet but I think that's the nice thing about real estate is that you can do whatever you want to do you're still your own boss like I mean you are technically the boss of people but I don't think you approach it that way and I think that they don't look at you that way you're more of a, a coach we, we all want the same thing which is you to be successful let's get you there and that's whether it's on a team or individual basis um, and I think have you seen people start to be on a team and then kind of back away and say I liked being on my own yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about uh, a team that left my office. They, they got formed on, on our office and our brand, left and went to a competitor brand. Um, and when it left, it was a pretty large, vibrant team. You know, now looking at kind of where that team is, they lost a couple uh, members of their team. They're kind of back to the original, I think, three that they had on their team. Um, you know, not to, because we're not going to name names at all, you know, I think it's more of the leader or the lack of leadership that's on that team and why it's not successful. But also, you know, when you're building a team and you're talking about promising things to these agents, or junior agents, I like to call them, on your team, you have to know that your business model has some type of, uh, it's withstand at some type of uh, cycle, right? Uh, be it be, you know, a two-year cycle of having two years worth of numbers to say, I can project that we're going in this direction right. uh, versus saying, I feel that we're really going to be a good, successful team, like right. the whole sunshine and lollipop. I think, you know, when you're part of a team and you're looking at a team as an agent, if I can give any advice out to agents right now, 
ask for their projections. Look for, at their two-year numbers. Look at you know how many listings versus uh, buyers uh, they're they're giving or they've actually closed in a year because that's going to tell you how good they are, right? I don't want to necessarily be hired on a team to be their listing specialist, and of the let's just say a hundred leads that they converted, God, only twenty of those were actually listings. You know what I mean? Yep. So are you bringing me on to be a listing specialist? Why? Are you hoping that I somehow take that 20 and double that? Like, I don't think there's a lot of pushback uh, from agents on those actual team leads to what's your value proposition? How do we, what's your growth model? You know, what's your two-year average on things? You know, what's your GCI? What's your ASP? How do I fit into that role? You know, it's more about the commission splits that people get caught on. And again, I tell people, you know, 90% of zero is still zero. You know what I mean? That's a good point. You know, and if, if you're, you know, as a new agent looking at a team because you feel like you're going to get a better split, well, guess what? If you can't convert leads or that team is not good at converting leads, you're not, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. You're not going to be making any money there, too. I'm going to write that down. That math didn't make sense. 90% <laughs> of zero is still zero. Yeah, right? believe it or not, it's still zero. Yeah. Hold right? on, let me double check that. Yep, it's still zero. Yep, you got you got it right. Okay. Yep. That's our math lesson for today. <laughs> yes. Who knows there's math in real estate? I don't know. Um, so I, I have a, uh, a theory I want to run by you. So I've got, um, I'll, I'll name names. My daughter's boyfriend, Evan, a uh, great kid who's listening to all my podcasts. He said he would. So let's see if he picks this up. Hi, Evan. Um, Evan is a high school senior, ambitious, bright. He saw real estate for a moment uh, as something he might think about a career in. So what would be your advice to someone like Evan who is a millennial, who is uh, thinking about college and career paths and in future, um, what would you say would be your advice to someone like him as far as getting their toe into the real estate pool and seeing if it feels good or not? You know, something that's being undersold because I think some um, uh, of the bigger brands, uh, so Big Blue in our market, uh, was people they call Baker, um, they have changed their motto um, to where you walk into their shop now and there's the staff support that you used to see, like uh, the, the office administrator or the listing coordinator that's sitting at the front. Uh, you know, maybe you have somebody else that's got kind of processing uh, other things. They've taken all that and threw them in a call center. So really, you might have a part-time person greeting you at the front door, but that model is done. I know, you know, where I'm at, we're keeping that model strong. So I have an office administrator who's my assistant, but also kind of runs the staff, which is a listing coordinator uh, and a couple part-time uh, people that work on the weekends as well. I think if you want to get to know about the business, you need to get into the business first, right? So there's different ways to be a part of uh, real estate. You could be somebody's assistant to kind of get to know it. But really maybe uh, more of a apprenticeship or an internship, I think is always a smart way to approach it yeah. to see if it's going to be a good fit for you. Um, if you can find uh, some of these more corporate type of uh Real estate companies, kind of like you got in realty. There's also, you know, different opportunities to work in their different departments at the corporate level as well. Just so you can kind of get that pulse to see if it's for you, you can get your license at any given time. Right. You know, but what do you do in the meantime, right? Because it is 100% commission, and I think you can't undersell the fact that uh, you're not going to come in and just get a paycheck just by showing up every day. And I think when you talk about the millennials, some of that instant gratification is real, right? They want to know if I do A, B, and C, it's going to lead to, you know, a big, you know, whatever in my check every day. And 
not too many of them are, are looking at it as uh, the American dream, as, as maybe our parents were sold on, right? Being a business owner is the American dream. I think real estate, you can have a piece of that American dream and be your own business owner, but it does take a little bit of trying to figure out if you want to be that self-driver, if you want to do you know, the, the dirty work, if you want to work on weekends. Oh, that's just, this goes back to your, so I'm going to, I'm going to share Jamar's secret. He told me earlier, can I share the secret about your Saturday morning? Please do. Okay. So Jamar, uh, we were talking before we got on the podcast about what, what's your kind of secret approach to deciding if someone's a good fit for your firm or in real estate in general. And you said that you take the meetings, you set the meetings up for uh, Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. If someone objects to that, that's right away a sign to you that weekends are, for them, are, are coveted. Yep. And But if someone jumps at that, that's a good sign for you. So talk yeah. to me about how how'd you how'd you form that in your mind? Like what made you think about that concept as being a good first test for someone? In a weird way, it was more about the pace of okay. So honestly, it's more about the pace of my relationship uh, with my with my with uh, my partner Kristen. So like, you know, I was rolling out of sales, right? Like full time sales in real estate and going into more of a leadership role and. The one thing that I knew that was way different is I was more on a nine to five and I wanted to keep my pulse to where my agents were doing most of their work and that was on the weekend. So I chose not to allow recruiting to be a distraction for my agents during the week. I'm there for them. If somebody wanted to meet and potentially think about real estate, I was going to work on the weekends just like my sure. my agents work. But also, I knew that that's time I can you know look at at, at my significant other and say, hey, listen. You know, Saturday mornings from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock, I'm going to be on recruiting calls. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be out meeting people, right? I'm going to get out, have coffee, have brunch, and then we have the rest of the afternoon for ourselves or for my agents if they call, because that's when they call me on the weekends a lot. So, um, so that's kind of where I went. And honestly, I had the ab- I, I had the ability to really convert at a high level a lot of millennial type of agents, brand new agents with that theory. Okay. Um, and it makes it makes total sense to me. I remember sharing it with a a, uh, um, a colleague of mine's um, and they're like, wow, that makes a ton of sense to me. I'm like, well, it's just, it's different, right? We all do it differently. The one thing I hate doing is going into a, a recruiting uh, opportunity. And I've done these before because you just you kind of want to work with the person as far as when they're available. But I have a hard day in the office, then I go out of the office to go meet somebody, you know, and all I'm thinking about is I want to get home and have dinner. Sure. All I'm thinking about is I want to go home and see my family, right? But I got to I gotta stop and do this 4.30 real quick, and it's my last appointment of the day. Yeah. You know, instead of saying I want to meet somebody when I'm fresh and I can focus on the task at hand, and that's getting to know somebody without the pressures of what just happened in the day. Right, because that's a pretty important meeting. I mean, I, I'm sure you place a ton of value in, in that appointment going well. Um, for both you and the recruit that you're talking to, uh, the talent you're talking to. And so I think that's something that I think all of us are fresher in the morning than yep. we are at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. Um, and that's kind of why I'm, I'm happy doing this podcast now because most of my podcasts have been like 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> I'm ready for bed. <laughs> and here I am in someone's patio talking about stuff. So yeah. um, I think hopefully this sounds sharper. Um, and it, again, if you hear background noise, we're in a, a pretty fancy, busy little restaurant. So you're going to see some hoot and hollering. You're going to hear some, uh, some clankety clank. Uh, it hasn't been too bad, I hope. No, we haven't heard anything like break or yeah, shatter Yeah, no one's yet. dropped anything yeah. yet. I did hear some cheering. Yeah. I'm not sure what that was about. But uh, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so I want to tell you a story real quick that uh, to the listeners that I wanted to share that I'm sure you know the story. But so back in the day, back in like 04, 05, uh, Jamar and I working together, and I get a call from Jamar saying, "Hey, I'm uh, doing a fashion show next weekend. You want you want some tickets?" And I was like, oh, I, th- I think I should say yes to this. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Sure, sure, fashion show. Um, and it was actually—I don't know if that's even the right term—but I mean, it was a show to to promote your your fashion label. Yep, it was fashion show. Okay, yeah. right, so that's that's the right word. So I find three of my friends. And I say we're going to go downtown to Minneapolis in the warehouse district, or we're, no, we were at Block E, weren't we? I think this was the one at Escape, yeah. Was, yeah, 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 Escape. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're going to go downtown, big city living, to a fashion show. And, and I think I asked like six people, and like three said no, three said yes. And of the three that said yes, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to regret this decision. So we get downtown, and they're, they're, I'm not sure what they expected, what I'm not sure what I expected. But um, all of a sudden, we're in the thick of things in a, a fun event, DJ, loud music, activity, you know, everywhere, people everywhere doing fun things. Um, and uh, when we left, my buddies went from the mindset of, I'll do this as a favor to you, to when's the next fashion show? And they think they bugged me for a few weeks afterwards, like, you know, can we get more tickets? That was a lot of fun. But we were all suburb kids going to the big city for a fun night out. So um, that was my one and only experience at a fashion show. Um, yeah. So do you still put those on? Or has, it, has I mean, no, obviously, juggling for you is the hardest part because you're, you're juggling being a father, being a broker, being a realtor. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. How do you juggle all this together? Um, really, I'm just. It's more of an honest approach at life, right? Like, um, I, I think I, I told myself if I'm going to be successful at real estate, I need to let it maturate and be uh, a part of my life's work, not work uh, being uh, life, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like everything I do is a part of Jamar. It's it's a brand of me, mm-hmm. right? You take the House Brothers, you take. Uh, underground music and fashion, you take my coaching career, you take now me being a father, you know, um, I think all that's a part of my brand, you know, it's a brand of Jamar, so to me it doesn't feel like work, you know, the fact that I can come over here in the morning before I run to the office and sit down with you and do this podcast in one of my favorite restaurants, that's a part of my life, not a lot of people have that luxury to do that, right, so, um, you know, I haven't done a fashion show in a while just because... I got to the point of even that business to where the overhead, we had none really. Um, I was spending a lot of time coming up with concept designs to try to you know, roll out new designs every uh, season to keep up with people. It kind of ran its course. Um, it's still a brand that I'm gonna consider more of a legacy brand. Um, it's gonna be a great thing to introduce to my sons at some point so I can teach them maybe the value of a dollar and say, guess what, Daddy and and Uncle Matt started this really cool brand that we still own and have. You guys have any ideas? You guys want to try to do something with it? It's still here. You know, um, I I do more concept designs for um, businesses now. So Lifetime Fitness, um, you know, I was doing something for the Salvation Army and and their youth programs for quite some time. Uh, I do stuff for realtors, even for helping my realtors out with some concept designs and getting their brand identity. I kind of feel like I'm more of a brand specialist now. That's kind of what it rolled into. Uh, And just, you know, anything from, uh, you know, hoodies, t-shirts. I don't really get into like, you know, pins and trinkets or water bottles or stuff like that, but I can do that stuff. Um, But no, it's just something that I'm. That's always going to be there with me. It's always going to kind of be my side hustle. I do envision at some point being able to kind of do a throwback retro to all the designs we did in the past yep. and bring them back out. Because the one thing I am noticing about fashion is uh, 
the garment, the products are getting so much more comfortable. Uh, they're, they're fitting a lot differently than they used to. I mean, most of the stuff that we did back in the day, boxy, big athletic cut t-shirts, you know? Yep. And we would put a big design on and, uh, and the ink, the Plastisol ink was really heavy ink and the shirt itself was heavy. Here's a 6.1 ounce shirt. Now on average, 4.3 is gonna be the ounce of a shirt that, am I, am I losing you? Cause no, I'm no, talking about math. No, I'm thinking about yeah. poly, it, wait, 6.1. My answer is polyester. Polyester? Is that what's no, oh, no, 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 no. So, I mean, so I, I, just being able to kind of sit back and from, from a novice uh, view, see how the industry has changed. You know, yeah. seeing local lines here, like uh, um, 612 was a line that, that was kind of bubbling when we were kind of doing our own thing. Uh, Minnesota Nice, you know, uh, there's actually connections between those two brands, our brands in the weird way too. Uh, but just seeing some of the local brands and some of the stuff you're doing now, uh, that people are doing now, is really cool. You know, we've always been more of a boutique type of brand, you know, so we at one time were in five different boutiques in the Twin Cities, uh, but it's something that uh, that always would be there. Something that at some point, when maybe life gets to a point to where I can roll up my sleeves and start working on concept designs, or when maybe one of my boys really gets into graphic designs, and you know, I'm saying, hey, you know what? We can kind of relaunch this line again, yeah. do something new. I can see that being something in the future. And you've got two models, obviously. I mean, I've, I've seen your children. They've got luxurious hair. I'm very jealous. <laughs> My hair's not that luxurious anymore. I'm jealous. They got the <laughs> But you got two models, and and um, and also you've got uh, social media being way different now than it was five years ago, than ten years ago, and fifteen years ago. So, um, so I'd love to see your your. Uh, but I, again, obviously, you want to put your uh, your energy towards what matters most for your family, uh -huh. which right now what pays your bills is no. is your daytime, your no. nine to five gig. No, no not nine to five. Saturday mornings, some nights, some weekends. Yeah, Justin. We'll call it's, it that defined. Yeah, no, it's it's really. Uh, I don't really feel like. Um, I would only describe it as a nine to five for the security measures right. of it, right? right. You know, um, you know, I get paid every couple of weeks. You know, I'm I'm on a bonus structure now. Um, when before it was, you know, you eat with your kill. That's what real estate's about, right? Yeah. You know, so um, it was more unpredictable. Unpredictability is what I want to say yeah. in the business. Where now I, I at least know here's my base. If if all I do is wake up every day and, and go to my shop, which I do much more than that, mm -hmm. here's what I know I'm going to make. And can this uh, be? Can this sustain my lifestyle, my family's lifestyle? Right. And the answer is yes. <laughs> um, but you know, I, but I want to do more than that to, to kind of to grow that and, and create opportunities. Uh, uh, not only for my for my agents, but also opportunities for my family uh, uh, for years to come. All right, let's let's go with one last topic to end this podcast, and that's going to be probably the most important topic. Tell me um, about a Dyna Realty. Why is that, in your opinion, the place to be for both new new realtors, existing realtors, young realtors, old realtors? Uh, I've always thought that Dyna Realty is a brand that is fantastic for new to the business because the training is top notch. And I've worked for Dyna Realty Mortgage in the past. So I've seen behind the curtain. I've seen the, the top level training. I've seen the top level tools. Um, I've seen the, the name in this marketplace be second to none. So give me your give me your elevator pitch or give me your, your two three minute speech on why is it that a realtor the place that every realtor should be working at? I think, again, when I, and I talked about getting better at telling the story, I think even as a company, we're getting better at telling our story to uh, Dyna Realty. Where I like to start is, um, is you know, first of all, Dyna Realty was founded by Emma Rovic, uh, you know, probably one of the first female brokers in this local market that, you know, God, we might be almost... 50 years, there I say, ago, sure. um, uh, maybe even longer. 
maybe even around 60. God, I'm just. Oof. That's right. It's been a while, yeah. But you know, she started. She started the brand as a uh, house uh, mother that ultimately wanted to sell real estate to buy her daughter a piano. Really? So that's the foundation of the Diamond Realty uh, brand. Let's talk about what it is now. I mean, it's the flagship company for Home Services of America, mm -hmm. which is also un umbrellaed by Berkshire Hathaway. So I think if you're looking at Edina, let's not undersell our national scope. You know, being a part of uh, the leading real estate companies of, of the world and being within that hub as well. So we have the worldly view at real estate. We have the national view at real estate. And by the way, us are, we had a recent acquisition of Long & Foster. That's a part of our home services brand, which is the largest uh, real estate broker company um, in the nation that's now a part of our home services brand. So it's made uh, home services definitely the leader in the nation uh, with all of our sister companies, but Edina Realty is a flagship company of that. Right. So what's really cool is our resources stretch outside of the state of Minnesota, even though we are the local leader, we're also a part of the national leader as well, which gives our agents advantages when you talk about you know being able to uh, uh, communicate uh, with people that are outside of the state of Minnesota for WELO opportunities. We have that. Not only are people moving out of Minnesota, but because we're the corporate hub, there's a lot of people moving into Minnesota for jobs, right? So our agents are getting those opportunities as well. Um, from the local standpoint, uh, 60 shops, over 2,400 agents, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big team, you know, locally here, and we network with each other. And to your point, the education is, is uh, second to none out there. I do know there's some people that their story is, we train our agents better, but are your agents necessarily successful? Are your agents necessarily accredited out there in the market? From a real estate agent standpoint, being at Coldwell, being at, I was at Keller, I was at a small firm called Sell It On Sunday, let's not even talk about that. <laughs> um, but coming to Edina, I, I tell you what, Edina was the first um, company to get to give me unsolicited at-bats. They pretty much looked at me, if I can use a, bra a baseball oh, yeah. reference here, and said, Jamar, grab a bat, you're going to go up right now. I'm like, what? I get to, but why? Coach, why? I'm not ready. Well, no, because you're wearing our uniform, go up there, we're going to throw you a few pitches, let's see what you can do. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of firms that were willing to do that just by me being Jamar. Right. You know, and I feel like Edina with their website, their ability to attract with customer service opportunities that they funnel back uh, to their agents, they honor point of origination. So if I have a listing, there's not another United Realty agent that's going to be able to work that opportunity if somebody calls on my listing. Where in some other companies, especially if you're dealing with the brands that might start with the same name, but they have these little tags on the end of it, like integrity versus not integrity, if you will. Um, there's just there's just not that cohesiveness when it comes to everything kind of coming back to our agents. We're really there to support our agents' careers, and I think we're turning out better agents than, than the competition. You don't necessarily hear negative thing about Edina Realty agents out in the market, but you do about some of these people that are toeing the line of, yeah, well, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I've got, I've done this before, yeah. right? It's like, well, no, you're not supposed to do this, buddy. And <laughs> I call my attorney, and they're going to answer the phone and tell you why we can't do it. So yeah. the supportive uh, side of Edina Realty for an agent is just awesome. One of the big value propositions for our agents is, you know, we have three general counsels that um, any of our agents can call when they're kind of towing up against uh, something that could be a little shady when it comes to contracts or representation. Yeah. Um, 
I just don't think anybody else is offering that out there in the market. And I think that's very important when you're looking at, I'm a new agent. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. How, like, who's going to support me? Right. Let's right. go back to the Tony example. You know, one big reason why I think he might even make the transition to us is because, you know, this, this guy is a high performer had to take three weeks off in August because he got beat up in June and July on some deals that his broker gave him bad advice on. And he was questioning if he wants to stay in the business. Oh, is that bad? And all it took was his broker maybe having the resource edge to call somebody that was a real estate attorney to say, what is, what is, what is my agent up against right now? That was a service they didn't have. The broker just threw him some static information and the broker was wrong, you know? So, you know, here's Tony, you know, saying, do I really want to be in real estate anymore? Well, that's something that if you're in the right model, you shouldn't have to worry about. You have that, un that leader in the building that's not competing. And you know, because I've, I've, I've sent uh, some of my junior agents your way, I don't compete with my agents. I am actually the broker, right? I'm the managing broker. I'm not out there selling 100% of the time. You know, you're not seeing my signs on listings because I'm running a team and I'm trying to run a good business to make money. That's not the Dyna Realty model, you know? And I, I'm the one who signed up for it, right? I chose to be a full-time coach instead of a coaching player, you know, so. Yeah, that's good. That's a, good, a great analogy, the player yeah. coach. The player <laughs> coach still has divided attention between playing and coaching. Yep. The coach is full attention as to coaching successful yeah. teams to go forward. Yep. So. Yep. Well, so to end this podcast, if you are a realtor considering making a move, contact Jamar. Uh, what's your, give us your contact information. Yeah, I'll put it out there. Uh, so uh, you can go to the um, housebrothers.com just to get onto my Jamar Hardy website. Uh, but I'm at 53rd Lindale office of Edina Realty. You can call me directly at 612-384-8428. That's my personal number. Um, and even if you call my office number, it rolls to my cell phone anyways. It's technology nowadays, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, but you know, if, if you're looking at real estate as a career, um, I would say interview more than just one, you know, and if you're looking at interviewing uh, an Edina shop, uh, our shop is pretty unique to where I think we really collaborate as all in our, in our office. It's not a cutthroat caddy type of situation. Yeah. So um, unsolicited, you can come through and take a look at one of our sales meetings or get to know our staff or meet me for coffee on a Saturday morning. Plus, I have to plug this, you've got a very trendy, newly remodeled, beautiful office. Yes. And across the street is some fantastic food that's just a step away from your front door. Prima. We're not talking about Subway. We're talking about Prima. is awesome. We're talking yeah. about Subway, but <laughs> Prima's good, too. Uh, both, are, both are good. Both are good. Um, and, of course, if you're looking for any mortgage advice or mortgage um, direction, contact myself, Justin Neal, either at mnlow.payment.com or call or text me at 612-203-9883. Uh, again, special guest. Jamar Hardy, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, and uh, signing out. Take care, everybody. Bye.